Yo, yo, yo. Boy. <laughs> That's what we're doing now? No. I don't know. Yo, yo. <laughs> yo, yo, boy. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> Did you see that Tommy Wiseau Joker thing? Yeah. From the nerdist? Yes. It's a... I saw the one where somebody stuck his, him into the scenes with Heath Ledger. Oh, that's probably even better. Yeah. Well, I mean, worse. Well, you, you worse. Know, but yes. Yes. Better. Worse. Train wreckish. Worse. Worse. It's so worse. <laughs> so what's up, man? Um. So I won't be going to Summit this year. Summit is the thing out. Yeah. There. Yeah. Okay. Because it's in, it's not in Tucson. Okay. It's in, uh, it's in technically Phoenix, but just Scottsdale, right, right outside of Phoenix. Okay. Because that's you know got too big and there's not enough room for it in Tucson, and so you know it used to be you know, didn't have to pay for most people to come out, most employees because it was right there. Okay. But they do have to pay for employees now, and so only people who are required to be there get to go. Just for cost-saving purposes. I see. Bummer. Yeah. Bummer. I was hoping to do, you know, another presentation thing. I just, I enjoy interacting with the customers and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's fun. Bummer. Bummer. Well, if that's the, if that's the bad news, then that, Like I said, it, it, when, when you clarify, when you ask me bad, I have to clarify. It ain't disappointing. Yeah. Right. Cool. Well, okay. Yeah, I feel bad for you. Sorry, man. Yeah, well... <laughs> the good is I, I plan my first vacation my first like real like vacation it's gonna be uh the uh last week the last full week of may i'm taking mm, six days off and then that will coincide with uh memorial day so i'll get a whole seven days you know friday to the next okay. Monday off coming up soon let's see what's Next, I think it's next Monday or Tuesday. One of my coworkers, his brother-in-law, is the brewer at Drake's Brewing Company. He's going to okay. be in town, he, and he's available to do a show Monday or Tuesday night. Sure. So I, I have to set up the arrangements, see if he's chill with coming all the way up here, or whether we do like we did for the Blood, Sweat, and Beers guys, where we do it in the office, you know, that kind of thing. And we could do it in my place. Oh yeah, yeah, we could definitely do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll start looping you in. We'll just start chatting an email and figure out how we, how we're going to do that. But, uh, it'll be pretty cool. And, uh, it's been a busy week at, as a Microsoft employee. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're stuck on this thing. Yeah. You're, you, you've drunk the Kool-Aid. You are, you are in it now. <laughs> I am. No, it's, uh. I think the honey. Well, I won't say the honeymoon period is over, but like that, the honeymoon night <laughs> is over, well, right? I mean, now was, it's like now it's like oh, I got all this tedious, shitty work to do. And but, but before the show started, Jeff was showing off to me the the AR features, uh, the augmented reality features on. That's because I was just goofing. Well, the kids like it. Yeah, but, but I was like, I mean, I've seen that shit before. It's not you know, I'm not gonna be impressed by that. Yeah, I mean that app in particular is, it's it's a great. I think it's a good app for kids. Especially I was showing you, because you can take those 3D models that you're just kind of dropping with the pen, uh-huh. and you can send those to a printer. So uh, it's pretty, it's even lower barrier to entry to Tinkercad. I mean, you don't get, you don't get the you, the very much accuracy in it, but 
I'd be curious to see if some of those models were actually drawn in 3D paint or whether it was or not that. And oh, I, I, I guess it's possible, but you know. Yeah, pretty pretty tough. And, and even on this, you know, brand new Surface Book, it's a little laggy, like when you're drawing on with the, uh-huh. with the pen and stuff. So probably need one of those, but those big Surface uh, station things where you basically have a TV that's your desktop. You see those things? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's just like those huge, you know, iMacs, right? Like the gigantic ones. It is, except, you know, because it's touchscreen, you can use it like a drafting right, table. Right, yeah. Right? Oh, so, oh, yes. Okay, now I know what you mean. Even more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is like a video drafting table. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be pretty cool. And, I, yeah, I'm not I'm not saying I've drank the Kool-Aid. This, this uh, Surface Book has its flaws. <laughs> my, my week was a variable nightmare because of a couple flaws in, in Microsoft software. But... Uh, You'll find a ways around them, yeah. sure. Um, yeah. Allie's new video out was good. Yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, she, we we did the the cat laser video. You saw the cat laser before. Yes, yes. I described and, it on the show. In fact, before you, yeah. you asked me what it was. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, she had fun doing it with a you know the little bit of really stiff acting at the mm-hmm. beginning. <laughs> she had fun doing that part. I, I like the framing. I like that you know mm-hmm. framing showing a problem and then yeah. the solution to the problem. Yeah, I thought that, I thought it was good. It's just you know like oh my hand is so tired holding the laser. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not meant to be professional, yeah, yeah, right? I yeah. mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you had a camera with great depth of field, you could make you know you could make it like a uh, and a steady cam make mm-hmm. sort of like a steady cam shot in a dark room. Just dun, 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 put some like some some, some tense music behind it. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, and then she goes, and you know, and then she holds up her hand and you zoom in her hand. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you could go that route. Mm-hmm. There'd be a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I think it got the point across. Yeah, we got to figure out what our next... Pro- oh, she she has a little sketchbook. And I was flipping through it, and she forgot she drew this. She drew... You know, I guess I guess one of the things in, you know, her class and stuff is the Illuminati. You know, oh. that's a kind of interesting, mythical sure, yeah. thing. So she had drawn this pyramid with an eyeball, with, like, robot arms coming out of it. And oh. So she wants to make, like, an Illuminati bot where the... Uh, with the eye blinks, I'm trying. I'm trying to like get her to expand. I'm like, okay, so what kind of sensors are we gonna put in this thing? Mm-hmm. What's it gonna do? You know, what's it made out of? <laughs> we'll detect Jews. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that's what. That's what all the conspiracies are about. Okay. Right? I mean, I sure they don't go into that in, like, her class, but, yeah, yeah. you know, Illuminati, globalists, those are all code yeah. words for Jews these days. I see. Um, I don't know. There's there's not been any anything interesting happening in the, in the last week or so. Anything more interesting than typically happens, I guess I should say. Space uh, Force? Uh, yeah, it's right. Stephen Hawking died. Yeah. Which was inevitable. I mean, well, 
everyone's gonna die. I mean, well, it's always inevitable. But also, like, long overdue. He's 76 yeah, yeah. years old, and the average longevity for ALS patients is, like, 45. Uh-huh. Or something like that. So, yeah, he's got, he got 30 extra years. Yeah, it's hard to be, like, upset. You know, he, yeah, he, he, I mean, but he, he, he had, you know, better care than, you know, probably any other ALS patient. Right, yeah. So that's what helped him, you know, prolong his life. And, uh, yeah, just imagine all the ideas that were stuck. You know, that that's kind of like the uh, tragic part. Of yes and no. I mean, there's a, there's a thing about physicists where they kind of reach a half-life, right? They, 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 they reach a point where their ideas stop being... Yeah. I mean, he was having some of those, you know, like like a whole bunch of ideas of, like, how humanity is going to end, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, but it's also, you know, Einstein couldn't see past his stuff to get to get into... I mean, he did amazing things, and then he was stuck on the same thing forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and other other minds had to pick up the slack. And it's not because Einstein wasn't brilliant or that Hawking wasn't brilliant. It's because once your mind is in a, is in a state of thinking about something, it's hard to, to go outside of that and think about yeah. other possibilities. But you had such a narrow bandwidth channel of communication. You just wonder what was... What was he never able to express? Right. But he probably was able to express the most important. I think things. after after you know thirty years of that, you get used to it, and you get you figure out efficient ways to express your communication because clearly yeah, he, put out, he put out papers at, at a steady rate, regardless. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like he wasn't getting things out there. It wasn't like he was stuck in his brain. He got like stuff consistently okay. published, and he did talks, and he wrote books. I mean, this was not a guy who had trouble communicating. Mm-hmm. It would be for us because we would not be in that situation. But he was there for thirty years. He had mastered that shit, and I'm sure his system, his speech system, and his, you know, eye tracking and all that stuff that he had was probably had gotten much better mm-hmm. over time. One of the greatest beneficiaries of Moore's law, probably. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, yeah, up there in terms of what he could do. I know that for a while he wanted, you know, when he first started, to get, he got the voice. He wanted it to be an English accent because that's what he had. Mm-hmm. But then after a while, it became so iconic that he didn't. Yeah, he didn't want a more natural voice. Yeah, he stuck with that kind of early '90s robotic synthesizer. Never got, you know, like a Siri type voice. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, it was then at that point his his calling card. And, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a. He knew he 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 also knew how to manage the fame his fame because let's face it he was he was not that great a guy if you, if you look into it, his personal life there's some great he, he divorced his wife for his caretaker there's all types of weird shit mm-hmm. going on there I'm not sure what what what's happening yeah <laughs> the coworker guy carpal with the like the the first thing he said when they came on the radio is like. Uh, who are they going to get on the Big Bang Theory now? <laughs> um, probably sure. probably more Michio Kaku. Yay! Yeah, and, and Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? I'm sure he's always available. Right. I'm sure he's always on it, yeah. But, like, that that's what you're wondering. How often was Stephen Hawking on the Big Bang Theory? You know, it's a... As as I've always said about... And not me, I didn't come up with this, but as people have always said about the Big Bang Theory, it's... Uh, a dumb show about smart people. A very dumb show mm-hmm. that's technically about smart people. Like 
that's the premise. And for a while, when Community was on, the the thing was, and Community is a, is a smart show about dumb people. <laughs> <laughs> it's aged a bit. If you go back and watch Community, it's still good. I mm-hmm. mean, it, but it's showing its age. Is it? Could imagine. I I wonder what like Freaks and Geeks is like these days. Yeah, I mean, some are better, some are more, some defy their time more than yeah. others. Like, you know, because I'm sure, especially like Love just came out on Netflix, right? So that's uh-huh. Judd Apatow's current right, series. Yeah. And I'm sure if you like go back and watch Freaks and Geeks, you would see a much more developmental Judd Apatow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of thing, as well as there's just so many actors have gone on to become somebody. That was on that show too, so it'd be cool to go back and kind of watch that, and I'll have to see if that's on Netflix and watch a couple old episodes of Freaks and Geeks. I don't think of TV shows that that, that haven't, um, you know that 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 still feel right. Cheers, Cheers is an example of a show that's kind of ageless. Yeah, I think the thing that shows its age there is just kind of the. The blocking, you know, the two camera. Well, you need the multi camera. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the multi camera uh, can be fine. It, it, yeah, it's but just, I think that's the thing that looks. Yeah, you know, it's been a while since I've seen an episode of Cheers, but I mean, that's I remember kind of the laugh track in the. the well, it's, I mean, once you camera. once you get the idea that it's more of a play mm-hmm. than you know than a, than a present than a cinematic presentation, and, and and you approach it from that angle, okay, then. It, it comes together, and it's just it's a well done show with with lots of smart, funny lines and uh, and nice farcical elements to go with character development. Mm-hmm. You know, good, really nice, really good characters that make sense in what, in what they're doing, right? And yeah, not overdoing it on the laugh track is an important thing. Like not like what the Big Bang Theory does, where every single line is blah blah. And I know people are going to say, oh, they don't have a laugh track. They use natural audience. Yeah, but they do sweeten it. That when when they when a when a line doesn't get the the reaction they want, they re-record the line and they tell the audience to laugh more. At the Big Bang. Thing? Yeah. Uh huh. I didn't know they had a yes, live audience. I didn't realize that. Uh, um, that they did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Star Wars Rebels ended. Yes, yes, there was lots of stuff on on uh, websites that I that uh, that I did you not did read, read about it Star was, Wars Rebels. It was a, so this you know they had to tie up the series, so this whole season had a bigger arc to it, and it um, it kind of yeah it, they kind of closed the the story of the siege of Lothal, you know. So it was, it, it <laughs> you just said you know, yeah. and I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, but. You know, it was it closed it out. They did kind of rush to wrap up some stuff at the end, and then there was a a flash forward of one of the characters. So you kind of and it's funny how far to flash forward. It flash forward to after Return of the Jedi. Okay. And um, you know, so they're talking about the Battle of Endor and stuff like that. Well, that's but, supposed to take place on like a five year period, right? That whole. Um. Yeah. Well. It, well yes, Rebels takes place. Probably, no, 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 I mean the, the three movies, the three okay, Star Wars yeah. movies. They're like And Rebels probably takes place like maybe starting five years before episode four. Um 
But the only thing, there's a couple things in the middle seasons, you know, where they were just filling show that, like, Lando has a cameo in it, Leia has a cameo in it, um, and it, yeah, maybe it has to be, like, right before episode four for that all to make sense, because basically the rebels repel the Empire from Lothal, and that kind of slides right into um, Rogue One, episode four. So I think it's all compressed right in there is how it, how it actually ended up. So Rogue One actually is a part of like re- Rebels. Well, I mean, it's kind of part of canon, right? But Rebels, I mean, like... there was there was a couple teasers in Rogue One that you know Chopper, the, the astromech droid, was in Rogue One in a scene and in the background, yeah, right? In the I background. mean, <laughs> and well, yeah, but they they did a couple token tie-ins, you know, and then over the PA system at the Rebel base. You hear them call. Yeah, but these are not like plot elements. These are yeah. Easter eggs. Yeah, they're just trying. Yeah. Um, no, no real tie-in. Oh, yeah, they actually. So they did a couple Easter egg tie-ins at the end of this season. They mentioned um, uh, from Rogue One, who was the bad guy, the Krennic. Krennic. Yeah, they mentioned Krennic. You know, because it was basically because Grand Moff Tarkin played a big role in this last season. And basically, there was some exposition about Tarkin talking to his people about basically his project versus Krennic's project, you know, that kind of thing. What was his project? Uh, a three-winged TIE fighter, like Interceptor or Super Advanced TIE fighter. Yeah. Huh. But then uh, he met his demise. That reminds me that I was reading a thread uh, and they someone posted a video where somebody was praising The Last Jedi for solving space combat. <laughs> Ruining space combat. No, solving it because it, it because everything now made sense in, in the world based on what was in The Last Jedi. And it's like, no, but I watched it just to see what it what it was about. Essentially the the guy so what the guy didn't realize, I think, is that oh, this this mouse moved. There you go. Jeff's screen just popped on. He was like, what happened? Because when I moved my uh, uh, towel here, it pushed Jeff's mouse. Anyway, back to what I was talking about with the video. The video essentially explains that, well, apparently these weapons in Star Wars have ranges. So that's why the big capital ships have to get close together. And that's why fighters are involved. I'm thinking, basically, Star Wars is a mishmash of 18th century frigate-style uh, naval warfare with a bit of mid twentieth century World War Two air fighter, right? That's a, that that's the tactics that that plays out. Yeah, in Star I Wars. mean it's mostly dogfights, right? Well, in terms of the fighters, but yeah. then there's also the capital ships are more like frigates yeah. in in mid eighteenth century naval battles because they're just firing broadsides at each other, essentially, and they have limited range. So, so this guy is finding out that there's that that's the level of consistency there and clearly doesn't know anything about Nail Battles, so he just assumes that, oh, Star Wars made it up and it all makes sense. But no, it's just a, a bad mismatch of yeah. two old naval I think eras. we talked about this before, but one of the uh, sci-fi series that I'm reading is the Hunter Arrington um, series. Uh-huh. Uh, I forget who the author is right now. But I love how he is doing his space battles. Right. It's more like tall ships, you know, sailing because it's, you have to get the angle because it's all relativistic and 
many of the battles, the boring battles that they don't cover in the books, end in stalemates because you have ships of the wall that are just beating each other and it's attrition and then you know, the battle is kind of a stalemate. And then the ones that are exciting in the book are the ones where there's a decisive victory. But yeah, it's, you know, it's like tense over long periods of time, right? Because in, in all the all the velocities are not in terms of speed, but in terms of acceleration, like how many G's they're pulling, because, you know, it's, that's where your changes, your Delta is just in your velocity difference versus their velocity difference or change in velocity. Uh So it like, it's relevant how fast you're going until, you know, unless you have a relativistic problem with close to speed light, but they're in the battles. They don't go that fast. What do they use for weaponry? They have a series of weapons. When they're in close, they use lasers and grazers. And then they have um, missiles for longer range stuff. So because they'll burn out and go passive and just kind of coast in, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, I'm trying to think if there's a third class of weapon that they use. Um, it probably is. I'm probably forgetting it right now. See, it seems that in a, in a space battle... Your best option would be some kind of plain kinetic and kinetic weapon, but mass driver, right? Just it fires a big block or a t- or, or a bunch of you know, things just at very high kinetic velocities. Mm-hmm. If you can get them relativistic, great. That you know. Then and then there's super. there's a because that's all you need, right? I mean, and the nice thing about space is it's not going to slow down your material, and as long as it's just a it can be a fine mesh of tiny things, but if they're going really, really fast, it'll mm-hmm. blow anything up that it hits. And then another part of how these ships are constructed, their propulsion is, it's called an impeller wedge. And imagine kind of having this plane above and below your ship and it bends space-time or something to make it go, right? Uh-huh. Um, but those impeller wedges are near impenetrable by weapons. So ships will turn on their sides and put their impose their impeller wedges and then when they have to shoot or whatnot they'll turn and fi- open up fire and you know so the the good space battle captains are the ones that are it's like a chess game you know trying to get your broadsides down the you know down the throat of uh-huh. the open part of the ship so i mean it's he's really has a lot, a lot of nice detail and nuance into these um space battles and um i don't know I mean, I'm playing a game that that's that's tactical in its nature right now called XCOM 2, where you're, you know, it's a turn-based thing, and you have a team that goes to go around, and they have to figure out the best angles and stuff. And okay. Then, uh, so it's 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 similar. It's tactical in its nature. Um, I'm not very good at it, but I play it easy. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So that's the that's. The, the last two books, there hasn't been that many space, the space battle uh, descriptions haven't been as good. The thing is there's like 25 books in this series. So I'll be like, be reading this for like 15 years, probably. I mean, one one of the things that space, you know, sci-fi hasn't ever really come up with a way to do it because no one really knows is if, if you can go faster than light, then all issues, all the issues with causality that come into play. Mm-hmm. So, no one knows how to how to deal with that, as far as I know, which makes sense because no one knows how to deal with that now. Uh, the, well, there is a way that that we deal with that now, and that's by saying it's impossible. Yeah, actually, one of the reason the last books I read, they were battling like things were happening like different battlefields were at distances where communication was 
it was a very interesting wrinkle in the battle, like the the lag for communication and stuff like that. Trying to get reinforcements in, I think, but uh, I can't remember enough details to really speak about. But and so he keeps adding new wrinkles, you know, new interesting things about these battles. Big fan. I don't remember who the author is. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh-huh. Um, yeah, stuff and things. I think uh, I think we should move on to a show. Okay, let me just get the author's name here real quick. Oh, did you want to talk about money? My money hall simulator. Um, sure. So I was, I went over money hall in my Friday presentation. The the thing, and I, I, after I explain the problem because it you know i didn't i don't take too long mm-hmm. to do this it, it's between like two and three minutes so i'm not gonna so I, i'm not really waiting for questions and stuff like that because it's you know it's it's designed to be you know very simple and, and me going over a concept very quickly so it doesn't get in the way of mm-hmm. anything else i said you know if you don't believe me i can prove it to you and so i made this little simulator out of javascript uh that basically runs the money hall uh, and remind people what the winning uh, yes. strategy is. Cause... Well, so the Monty Hall problem. You have three doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, behind one door is a car. Behind the other two doors is something bad, say a goat. Or in this case, I used the poop emoji because Chrome does not use the goat emoji. And I didn't want to have any images or anything like this. So uh, in the, the, the question is, you, you don't know what's behind any of the doors. You pick one door. Monty Hall, the host, then opens up a door that has a poop behind it. Always, he, that's the only thing he does. He only will o- ever open up a door that has poop behind it. So Monty Hall knows what which. That's impo- it's an important part of the of the puzzle. Monty right. Hall knows which which door has the car behind it, and he won't open that door. Uh, then the question is, should you switch? And the answer is yes. You should always switch, and it's a little bit hard to understand unless you think about it there are two ways to think about it really um the first way is all right when you initially picked it you had a third you had a one-third chance to be right when monty hall opens up the next door you still had a one-third chance to be right all monty hall is doing is giving you more information so you had a one-third chance to be right and a two-thirds chance that you were wrong and it was in the other it was in the, uh, one of the other two doors now monty hall is removing one of those doors from the equation so the same odds still apply. There was a one-third chance you were right and a two-thirds chance you were wrong. So now the two-thirds chance applies to the right. So you the door two, you have it open. Two-thirds chance you'll win if you switch. If you switch. And when I ran your simulator, it was funny for a while. It was up to 80%. Yeah, I mean, but as as it yeah. gets to, you know, 1,000, 2,000, it'll get yeah. in that 66 area. Yeah. I was uh, surprised, like, 83%, and then it started creeping down after yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that can... That can I it, mean, it wasn't, like, right away. It was after, like, 50. If you get a bunch of these in a row, you know, you can start out with, you know, getting 50 or 60 or even 70, I think even 80% starting with the other option. Mm-hmm. Um, but that really quickly goes down. And, there, and here, this is, yeah, it's running around 65, 66 right now at 500. So, yeah, sure enough... The more often you play it, so right now let's stop it here. Eight, played eight hundred thirty-three times, five hundred sixty-two wins, two hundred seventy-one losses, sixty-seven percent, just by switching. 
And if you go to the pick where you keep your original choice, it's, you know, it's now it's a little bit higher than 30%. It's, it's, it's hovering around 37, 38. Now it's dropping to 36. So it had some, you know, had some streaky things in there. You can always, you know, so, you know, yes, but you, when you get on pressure or uh, let's make a deal, you don't get to play it 800 times. You get to right. play it once. Right. So that kind of changes too. So your best odds, but maybe you can kind of feel the room and, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it, it, it's always going to be, yeah, the, you don't get to play it a thousand times. But the question is, what is the better choice based on the statistics alone? The better choice is to all, is to always switch because it's likely you didn't pick right. It, the, the other way to right. explain this is to imagine instead of three doors, a hundred doors. And you pick door number 19. And Monty Hall then opens every door except for door number 64. So the question is, do you switch? Yeah, obviously <laughs> you switch. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the, like now I want to see like deep analysis of how Monty Hall reacts in every case, right? So you can kind of well, like, this is never actually, profile him. This has never actually been a Monty. This was created uh, as a thought experiment, but it was right. never actually on deal versus deal. Right. This particular mm-hmm. thing was never actually done on deal. On, on, let's make a, let's deal. make a deal, yeah. I think a deal or no deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm just thinking, you know, like, okay, so you only get to play once. If I have to play... Th- six times then yes you know we switch and, and your odds are still best but you know i want more information you know that's just not enough information if you only get to play once well the the, the point is what gives you the best info what give, what can you infer about the situation right from a purely probabilistic method and yeah you mm-hmm. could have picked the card originally correctly you could have been in that you know it happens it happens a third of the time mm-hmm. so yeah you could be in that you you, you could do that but your chances are better if you switch, yep, that's the point. So I, I, I thought it was a neat way to 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 explain it was to build this little simulator that just shows that yeah, if you run enough times, it's it's not a doubt. Yeah, I, I, it's very cool. It's cool that you like took this topic and did it as kind of a lunch and learn. You know, it's kind of a good, neat little thing, and I'm sure your your uh, teammates were. Yeah, interested in this? Yes, it's, it's uh, it was fun. Did you play? Like, did you before you showed the premise of how no, it's always no, better no, to switch? No. You didn't yeah. get any suckers to stick with their no. I didn't first choice. Because, like I said, it only took you know three to four minutes. I did not want to yeah go deep into the subject. It's not the point of, of the little. Things you could have gone to Monty Hall like seventy style. I mean, suit. I could have done like a full lunch and learn thing and done like a a, a, a shtick on on it. But uh, I mean, how many people are going to be interested in that? The, another thing is, yeah, if people aren't interested, it's only going to last two or three minutes. Yeah. All right, I think it's time for some beers. All right, beers.